Well, welcome everybody at South Bay Church. Are you guys excited to be here? Hey, I know at Thanksgiving Sunday, a lot of us come to church because we're repenting from overeating. And I want you to know, here at South Bay Church, we do forgive you. You are forgiven of your overeating uh, for this week. But thanks for joining us. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome North San Jose campus, Sunnyvale. Those of you at South, I want to do a special welcome to you because week after week, the team at South Campus, they're the only portable, church, or portable campus here at South Bay Church. They show up at 6.30 in the morning to unload cases from trailers, set up a school to make it, uh, be, make it so that people in their community can learn about the love of Jesus. And I'm so thankful for your effort. And I know on holiday weekend, it's especially hard to set up because uh, most of your regulars are out of town traveling. And to those of you that are serving your hearts out there at South, can we give them a big thank you from all of our campuses? Thank you for what you do. It matters. All right, so Thanksgiving is a great time of the year, but it's also uh, a, a time of the year where we reflect a lot on life. And I want you to think for a second with me about a question that I've been asking myself, and I think it's a great question for all of us to wrestle with at times. And here's the question. What are you most known for? So if I went to your coworkers or your students in your classrooms or your family or your neighbors and I asked, what are a couple words that you would use to describe what this person is known for? What would they tell me? Selfish, giving, <laughs> loving, generous, prideful, whatever it might be. Think about those couple words with me for a second. And then the other side of this question that we've been really asking ourselves as well is what do we want to be known for as a church? What are the things that we want to define who we are? And if you missed it a couple weeks ago, we're flipping a page in the story of our church. We're changing our name from South Bay Church to Echo Church this January because it most accurately describes our vision to be the kind of community that whatever happens here echoes around our city and our nation and the world. And that's the heart behind everything that we do. But then we have to ask yourself, what is currently echoing? From my life, from our church, from our community here, what are the things that define who we are? And here's why this matters. See, every component of our lives is connected to our reputation. So every part of you that wants to be influential, what you're known for, is either helping you achieve your goals or it's diminishing your ability to do so. So every single part of what you're known for, if you're known to be prideful, your boss eventually stops giving you compliments because he or she thinks it'll go to your head. If you're known to be a selfish person, your friends stop inviting you to participate in activities with them because you're going to be the person that sucks everything toward you. If you're known to be harsh, then your kids are likely to stop sharing life with you because they know that when they do, there's harshness that flows from your life. If you're known as judgmental, people stop listening to your input. Because that's your reputation and your words have less value in the listener's ears. You see, our reputation, what we're known for, is continually shaping our lives and our ability to achieve the things that we feel called to do. Now, the next three weeks, we're going to talk about some, some components, in fact, three components, that if they are a part of our lives, it most pleases God, and it amplifies the echo effect of our life and our church. And these three components are summarized all over Scripture in 
different ways, but we're going to talk particularly about a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Thessalonica. Now, before I read to you the, the text we're going to come from, let me just give you some context. Thessalonica is in northern Greece, and one of the things I love about this letter is that it, it, you know, the, the church itself is very similar to South Bay. They were a startup church in a place that was very transient. In fact, they were Thessalonica because it's northern Greece. It was connected to the the Roman Empire, connected to the rest of the world through that city. So major highways intersected in this city. And then the church, as a result, was a church known to be full of Gentiles and Jews, which means that there were people that grew up in religious homes and a lot of people that didn't. And they're all together in this community of faith, very beautiful. And they were getting to be known for these three components we're going to talk about uh, over the next three weeks. And because of those components, their church was becoming known all over the place. And their their, uh, love and their faith and everything else was echoing from them. But listen to this. If you have a Bible, open it to 1 Thessalonians. If you don't, it'll be on your screens. You can also use the South Bay Church app to follow along with today's message. So it's 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 2 and 3 to start us uh, out. It goes like this. We always thank God for all of you in our prayers. Your actions on behalf of true faith, keep in mind the word faith, your tireless toil of love, love, and your unfailing, unwavering, unending hope in our Lord Jesus, the anointed before God our Father have put you consistently at the forefront of our thoughts. In other words, these three components are so evident in your church life that we, it makes us think about you all the time and pray for you and be thankful for you. And then he goes on in verse 8 and he says something that's very powerful. He says, and now the word of the Lord is ringing out to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Ikea, which, which is in Greece. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. In another translation, it says it this way. The word has gotten around. Your lives are echoing the master's word, not only in the provinces, but all over the place. The news about your faith is God in, in God is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore because you are the message. You see, this is who we want to be. We want God to look at our community of faith here at South Bay Church and say, here's what you're known for, your authentic faith, your labor of love, and your unending hope. And because of that, this message is coming out from you all over the place, and there's an echoing effect to your community. And and Paul is looking at this church and basically saying, you're doing it. You're doing what God's called you to do. You're known for this. And because of it, the word of God that transforms the human soul is ringing out from among you. They were known for their authentic faith, their love, and their unending hope. And they were echoing and echoing all over the place. Now, I want to unpack today just the component of love, because the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the next two, faith and hope. But today, I want to unpack a little bit more of what this means to labor in love. And another translation says the toil of love. What exactly is he saying here? And part of the reason it's significant that Paul's saying it is if you know his story, you know that he actually lived the opposite of this. In fact, Paul was a religious man, but not just like any religious man. He was like at the top of all the religious people. 
He studied more than all of them. He was known to be, have, be a, a man of great knowledge. He, was, he could uh, you know, have conversation with the philosophers of the day and, and the theologians of the day. But he let his religion and his zeal to even know God really let him miss the whole point of the heart of God to such a point that his religion ended up leaving him empty. And I think a lot of people at South Bay actually relate with this. Because you might have grown up in a place where, where you were trying to be religious, but your religion still left you empty. Until maybe you just you had a moment where it clicked. And a lot of us at South Bay have experienced this, that it's really not about religion. It's about a loving relationship with God. And out of that relationship flows every part of who we are that is life-giving. It's not guilt. It's not pressure. It's not religious duties. It's relationship. And Paul had an encounter with Jesus that forever changed him. He had gone from this man that was hyper-religious and and started even kill people that were following Jesus because they disagreed with what he believed in. So he missed the heart of God. And then he had an encounter with Jesus where he finally got it. His eyes were open. And he realized that God, in his essence, was a God of love. And that Jesus came and embodied that very love of God to all of humanity. And those that receive his love can be forever changed so that the labor of their lives is is defined by that very love. Not by anything else. Every effort of their lives flows out of that loving relationship with God. Now, he had the Old Testament of the scriptures and a lot of times when people, uh, you know, read the scriptures or, or if you grew up in religion, you kind of miss on what exactly the, the heart of God is in there. And I want to share with, that, with you that in just a second. But as Paul started all these churches, after he got it, he went around crazy. I mean, traveling all over the Mediterranean and Europe, starting church after church after church, sharing about the love of God and the fact that he had missed it for a very long time because of religion with as many people as possible. And then these churches were getting birthed, and a big part of his ministry on the second half of his life was just writing letters to all of these churches, reminding them of what really mattered most. And I want to read to you some glimpses or some quotes from some of these letters to churches in key cities. And when I read these verses, I like you at all of our campuses, when I mention the word love, for you to say it with me, okay? Because I want you to, to just think about how often he made this the common thread of his language and his letters to these churches. So when I say love, when you see the word love on the screen, just say it with me. To the church in Rome, here's what he wrote. I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. To the church in Galatia, for in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far interior. Faith expressed itself in love. To the church in Ephesus, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. To the church in Colossae, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. You missed that one, I'm sorry. Above all, clothe yourselves with? love. And then in Corinthians, one of the most famous passages about love, he says it this way, if I could speak... All the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others. 
I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move the mountains but didn't love others, I would, I would be nothing. And if I gave everything, everything to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, labor, labor, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You see, there is a lot that we can labor for. Paul did it. He's, he was building his career. We all do this. There's a lot that you can work for and toil for and labor for. But at the end of the day, if it's not rooted in love, he's saying it is meaningless. See, there are people in Silicon Valley and the whole Bay Area that they spend their whole lives building their careers and their profit and their products so that their products echo around the world. But if it's not rooted in love, guess what? There's no eternal impact in all of that effort. And what Paul is saying is there's too many people that go around and they work their butts off and they're consistently striving for more and more and more. But if you miss this one component, it's going to amount to nothing because the labor that really matters is the labor of love. The labor that matters is a labor of love. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he actually says it this way. Let love be your highest goal. So above your career goals and the amount of money you want to end life with and what you want to do with your kids and anything else, your, your highest goal, he's saying, please make it about this. Let love be the highest goal of your life. And this was the, God's heart all along. In fact, sometimes people think God as a, of God of, as a God of wrath and judgment and all these different negative words. And there is a component of God that comes with that because in his love, he must be just. But at the same time, all along, God displayed himself as a God of unfailing love. When, he was, when Moses was on top of the mountain, and Moses is known for, by most religions even as a man of God and a prophet of God, and even him, when he was at the top of this mountain getting the Ten Commandments, which has shaped every society and every culture and every generation since that day, at top of that mountain, he, right before he had asked God to show himself to him, he said, God, let me get a glimpse of who you are. And God gave him a warning, like, you can't, you can't. Be, you, you would be consumed if you saw really who I am. But let me give you a glimpse. Let me summarize my character to you. So he passed by him and he declared this. He says, I am the Lord. I am the Lord, the merciful and gracious God. I am slow to anger and rich in unfailing love and faithfulness. And then the psalmist and all these different prophets would say the same thing. God is a God of unfailing love and faithfulness, unfailing love and faithfulness. It's, it's woven in all these different places all over our scripture until you get to the place when Jesus came to the earth. And then all of it got fulfilled there. And this is what Paul got in, in John 1, 14. It's describing the coming of Jesus. And listen to what it says. So the word, the word of God, unfailing love and faithfulness, became human and lived here on earth among us. And he, Jesus, was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen now his glory, the glory of the Son of the Father. 
In other words, Jesus became the embodiment of that very characteristic of God, unfailing love and faithfulness. And his message has echoed for 2,000 years now and changed thousands and thousands of lives because of his, his understanding and his message of love. That God is not just after your sacrifice, he's after your heart. In fact, he taught his disciples a totally different paradigm to live by. It took a long time for them to get it. But you see, the followers of Jesus, many of them were persecuted for following him and and were in great pain and lost a lot of what they had because of it. And Jesus, instead of saying, repay evil for evil, he would say, hey, here's how I want you to think of this. I would like you to start loving people that hate you. See, everybody else loves people that loves them, but I want you, if you're going to be representing me, to love people that hate you. When people would ask him, hey, Jesus, what's the most important of all these commandments that we've heard about? He'd say one thing. Here's what's most important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. All of the laws you've ever heard about in Scripture and society are all summarized in this. You cannot go wrong by loving somebody it was his heart all along. But what, Paul had ha- what pa- happened to Paul is in his zeal to know God or to serve God, he missed out on loving God. And the labor of his life was really not rooted in anything else but his religion and his personal desires and his personal goals. And because he missed it, he said, no more. I want every church, every person I meet, every single person that I encounter to understand that the labor that really matters is the labor of love. Now, practically speaking, here's what this means. You see, you cannot love God and hate people. It is impossible. It is impossible for someone to love God and hate people. And I want some of you to hear this, to have been exploring Christianity. Maybe a friend brought you today and you're like resistant to Jesus and you're like, I don't know about this. Because of the fact that you've seen so many people in the name of Jesus misrepresent him. And you've seen politicians and you've seen musicians and all these people that show hatred toward people of opposite uh, gender than they are or opposite race than they are, whatever else. And then they do it carrying the banner of Jesus. And I want you to know that those people are greatly deceived because you cannot love God and hate people at the same time. Can I get an amen for that one? It's impossible to do it. Now, 1 John 4.8 says it this way. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. In other words, the closer you get to God, the more love should be in our lives. And for you to really know how mature people are, you just look at the level of love in their lives. I love some of the families that we've gotten to meet lately uh, here as a staff that we support as missionaries around the world. And uh, you've been hearing about the Echo Offering, by the way, which is an opportunity for us to fund all these initiatives of people that really get this, that say, I'm going to give it all to start churches and to multiply the message of love around the world. And two of the families that we're sponsoring through the Echo Offering are a family in Laos, that they moved, they relocated to Laos in a place that's totally foreign to them in a country that has uh, very, very, very few Christians. And they are starting coffee businesses all over the place, uh, farming coffee and all, you know, selling coffee to create employment opportunities. But most of all, to share Jesus with people that have never heard of Jesus. It's considered one of the most unreached people groups in the world. 
And as we heard their story, I, can't, I couldn't stop but think, what motivates someone to leave the comfort of their life here in America, where he had a good job, he had all the comforts for his children growing up in schools with people like them, to now relocate to a place totally foreign where they don't know the language, where their kids are going to have to go through some pain in their school system with people that don't, totally don't understand them. What drives someone to do that? Another family is a family that is in Oman, a little country under Saudi Arabia. And they were sharing with our staff last month all the difficulties of doing ministry in a place like Oman. And the fact that the people, there's less than 60 known Christians in the entire country of Oman. And Christians are, are seen as the lowest level of people in society, and for good reason, to be honest with you, because they said, I was asking them, like, how, what do people think of when they think of Christians? They said, well, the only thing that they know is what they've seen on TV in little glimpses. And what they see on TV is politicians that take advantage of people and do it in the name of Jesus and then misrepresent God. And then they see a lot of music videos of artists with big golden crosses on their chests as naked women are dancing around them and they're smoking a big joint or whatever it is. And that's the image of Christianity, the world in that place of the world sees uh, of Jesus. And they said, so for us to share the message of Jesus is not like when you're here and some people have seen good glimpses of God. We are just still removing the rocks from the soil before we can even plant a seed in the soil. And in this journey, this family found out they had cancer. And you would think that when someone finds out they have cancer and they're living in a place that they don't even speak the language with a little baby, that they would just call it quits. But they went, got treatment, uh, got prayed for, God actually miraculously healed them, and they went right back into the field and continued to share the love of Jesus. And I was talking to my wife about this, like, what would drive someone to sacrifice at this level? They're the true heroes of faith, and the only explanation is they got the love of God. You see, when God's love consumes us, the church is built and multiplies. Our love, not our knowledge, is the greatest indicator of our spiritual maturity. See, sometimes people ask me last week at one of our campuses, hey, how do I keep growing in my faith? Like, I'm kind of stuck. How do I keep growing? Do I, like, how do I, I want to learn more about God. And I said, that's a great goal. But here's how you really know if you're growing spiritually. Is your love growing more and more? Does your heart break for people that are far from God? When you see people that are unlike you, different than you, people that hate you, do you still feel compassion and love toward them? Because that's how God feels. And when you are close to his heart, your heart beats like his. And everything that he wants to accomplish, he starts to do through you. In Ephesians 4, 15, it says this, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. See, maturity comes with love. And then he says, from him, the whole body joined together and is held together by every supporting ligament, and it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. He goes on to say, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. See, the labor of love is the labor that matters because that's the labor that flows from the heart of God and echoes the correct image of God into our world. This is why Jesus so often, I think, chose to honor new believers above the religious people. 
and it, was, it would puzzle people around him. He'd have times when, you know, people would come and just lay themselves at his feet, and they were still messy with sin, and, and they had just been, you know, convicted of their sin, but they were willing to just give it all to him, and he would lift their worth and their honor before others. And religious people would be like, what is he doing hanging out with those sinners and loving on them, and why is he honoring them? You see, when you know the heart of God and you know how much he's changed you, your love is just so bold, and it's, it's so beautiful. And what really impresses Jesus is not all of the great knowledge in our minds or our great careers we've built, but it's the love that he gives to us growing inside of us. The church should be known as the voice of the love of God in the world. He designed us to represent his love. Nonprofits are great and organizations and businesses and individuals can do a lot, but it's the church that is his vehicle of transformation on earth, which is why we have been building this church on love. And I, I was thinking this week over the last nine years of our history and all the stories that have defined us. And I remembered a couple of them I want to share with you. The very first month that we were in town, we went to our city. It was just about 12 of us in this, at this point, uh, three, on, uh, three families on staff and a couple extra volunteers and went to the city of Santa Clara. And we asked them to, uh, if we can serve them in any way. So uh, they said, well, we've never had a church ask us that before. We said, well, can we serve you? We see there's an art and wine festival coming up. Is there anything we can do to serve you there? And they said, well, what can you do? And we said, we can do anything, anything that serves you. And they said, well, one of our greatest needs is our staff has to stay till 3, 4 in the morning often during this festival and clean up the park. So if you guys can pick up trash with us, uh, that would be great. Can you do that? And we said, of course we can do this. So we put on our gloves, and for three days in a row till one in the morning, we just cleaned up trash with the city and served their staff and gave them waters and lunch breaks and uh, set up the booth for the festival. 50,000 people came through the festival that year. And at the end of the three days, one of the city staff members that was in charge of our team huddled us in the lobby, and in tears, she said, I have never experienced this kind of love before. And then they ended up inviting us to their luncheon that they do to thank their uh, city staff for their efforts toward this festival, which is like the climax of the, of the year for them. And so our staff went out there, and there was a gymnasium full of people, about a, probably 80 or so staff members of the city, and then our church there in the corner. And uh, one of the city officials stood up and said, hey, we want to thank together the South Bay Church crew for doing something that we've never seen done before here, and they clapped for us. But the thing that stood out to me was at the end of that lunch, um, people started to come to our table one at a time to thank us. And I noticed a, a man who waited till the very end, and then he walked up to our table, and he said, Hey, I, I am a Christian, and I've been working here for 16 years, and I have felt like I, I could never really share my faith with people here because the only image that our team has seen of Jesus until this weekend was a man that comes to our Art and Wine Festival every weekend, and he stands on the little stool, and he's got a huge Bible and a microphone, and he screams at the top of his lung that if people don't repent, that they're going to hell. And he said, so I've always been embarrassed to share my faith with my coworkers and to tell people about Jesus. This is the first time in my life that now I'm proud to share with my, my coworkers that God is part of my life and that I'm a believer. You see, when we love, guys, it changes every perspective of people around us. It accurately represents our God. 
The labor that matters is not the labor of screaming or striving or anything else. If it's not rooted in love, it's meaningless for us. I remember a couple years back, we did this day called the Beautiful Day, where we renovated three schools in our region here. And hundreds of volunteers went out into the community and just completely transformed three local schools. And at one of the schools, Vinci Park Elementary down the road, the principal asked, can I come to your, your uh, church and thank your church? So she came here on this stage and in tears, she said, I have never experienced this kind of love as you guys have shown me. I'm not a Christian, she said, but whatever it is that you have is very significant. And I want to thank you on behalf of our teachers for loving us. You see, people are not used to this kind of love. The whole strategy of the church, there's, it, the only strategy that God really gave us is to be a community that loves this way. When we love deeply, the world notices. This is why we're starting even more churches in months and years to come. And it's been a huge part of who we are to start churches because the church is the hope of the world. And local churches are the ones that display that love to every community. Over the last nine years, we've, we've helped start 10 churches in the Bay Area. And it's through your generosity that we were able to do that. Five more outside of the Bay in key cities like Boston and Denver and San Diego. But this coming year, two more, or, or three more actually, but two I want to highlight to you are getting started. And if you, have, if you want more info on this, by the way, these booklets are in our connection centers and they talk about this. But I love the fact that we get to do this and the Echo offering helps us do it, by the way. And we're starting a church in Seattle. And an incredible couple is going to be starting this church, Andrew and his wife and family. And I'm so glad that we get to be a part of this because Seattle is a city that desperately needs the message of Jesus. We're starting another church in San Ramon, so our 11th church plant in the Bay Area. Michael, uh, or Clinton, Michael Dupin are starting this church there. So we're sending some people to serve. We're sending a lot of funds to them. And then we're starting one more in San Jose as well. And every time we do this, it's a reminder that this is why we do what we do. We don't do it because we just want to uh, you know, have people learn uh, a green knowledge of God. We do it because we really believe that at the heart of God is love, and the church is designed to be the conduits of love in the world. Next year, we're also uh, sponsoring a conference or organizing a conference. We call it the Echo Entrepreneurship Conference. Many of you were part of it the last few years, but I love this conference because it's an opportunity for us as a church to invest into businessmen and women, entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley, and help them get the vision that you can do more than just strive for profit. You can strive for impact that you can do more than just gain or you know, create great products, but you can do things that actually improve the lives of people. See, the church ought to be the voice of love and that vision to people around us. Now, here's the deal. Love is an echo. It doesn't initiate with us. It's not created by us. But once we receive it, it rings from our lives. In the scriptures, it says it this way, we can only love because God loved us first. And every time we receive the love of God, we are able to echo it into the world. We only love because we are loved first. And there's some people here I want to talk to you right now because you have been maybe attending for a little while. 
and you're trying to do things that laboring in a, in a religious way to know God, but you haven't yet said yes to relationship with him. And I just want you to know it is impossible to love in this kind of way until you receive this love from God himself. And maybe the step for you today, if you're listening to this and you haven't said yes to Jesus yet, is just to say, I'm going to open my life to him. I'm going to say, Jesus, I want to welcome you into my life. Whatever you say to me, I'm going to say yes to it. I'm going to make your word a part of my life. I'm going to say yes to relationship with you. And I want your love to be my motivator, what drives my life, the passion of my soul for everything that I do. And that first commitment is what allows the love of God to just erupt inside of us. But see, this cannot be forced. I I was reading the psalm last week, and I just I could totally relate with this. And the psalmist, David, said this, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. You see, everything that comes out of us really is because of what God's doing in us. And the closer we get to God, the, the louder his love echoes from our lives. But it can't be forced. A couple of weeks ago, my son uh, came up to me and asked if he can play video games. And it was kind of late in the day. And he, I heard that he was not treating my wife very well that day. So I said, hey, I, you, you haven't been treating uh, mom well today, but now you want to play video games? And he's like, come on, dad, please. And I'll, I was kind of annoyed. And I wanted to kind of keep, I was doing some stuff. And I was like, just go and encourage your mom and then go play video games. So he, he goes downstairs and she's cooking. So he goes in the kitchen and he stands there like this. And, and he says, what are you doing? And my wife looks at him, and she's like, I'm cooking. He goes, well, I like it when you cook for me. <laughs> and she's like, what was that? And he says, well, dad told me I have to encourage you before I play video games. <laughs> and my wife came upstairs, and she said, I, I think our boy missed the point. <laughs> See, a lot of people live like this, motivated by guilt and by our own desires, but not by love. And our challenge today is to ask this question, what would it look like for our labor to be a labor of love? To not just build our companies for the sake of profit, to not just start your endeavor for the sake of your own personal achievement, to not just try to go for money and for influence, but to do all of that still, but with the motivation of love first, so that as the world looks at us, they see the representation of God on the earth. And let's just be real. Our world really needs that right now. There are so many wrong images of our God in our culture. And God's calling us as a community to just say, would you, would you be the kind of community that is known for your faith in me, for your labor of love, for your unending hope so that I can take what's happening there and let it be an accurate echo of my heart to the world. And it starts with us individually, guys, saying yes to him, saying yes to being a part of the body and serving together and, and giving together and, and being able to lead and to sacrifice, but not because of pressure or guilt, but because we've received such love that the only natural response for that love is to just echo it out. To say, God, I want what you've done in me 
to be what's done through me. I want my labor to be a labor of love. I want my life to echo this kind of love in every place that I go. See, the impact of our church will be determined by the loudness of our love. And that's the calling of God to our lives today. I want to ask you to stand with me as I read a blessing that Paul actually gave to the church in Thessalonica. And it's uh, in every letter he wrote, he would leave them a prayer. And as I was preparing this, I just felt God say, this is the prayer for South Bay or soon-to-be Echo Church. And I want to ask you to close your eyes with me at all of our campuses. Just receive this. Because you can't give what you don't receive. And we're about to sing a song that talks about receiving what rains down from God. And I want to ask you to receive this as well. It goes like this. May the Lord... Make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. And may he, as a result, make your hearts strong and blameless and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with his holy people. So Father, I pray that you would instill in us this kind of love. Jesus, the love that you embodied, the love that you give to us, help us to say yes to everything you tell us to do so that the world that is desperate for this kind of love, to receive it through your church. And we hold it as a great responsibility to carry your message to the ends of the earth So we embrace this identity and we ask for the grace to be a community of hope, of love, and of faith so that your love echoes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.